Hey, Alan, how's it going? Hey, Paul, good to talk to you again. Yeah, it's been a while. What you been doing lately? Uh, you know, quarter bin this, relatively geeky that. Just yeah. got so much time now that I'm not your intern. I mean, oh, come on, that wasn't bad when you were the intern, was it? Yeah, we just got a, we just got a new intern, and we're pretty happy. I would not wish that job on my worst enemy. Here you go, Dr. Bill. Your uh, Mountain Dew, just like you ordered it. Uh-huh. And how long was this in the sun? Uh, six hours, just like you asked. Driven around, shaking in a car? Absolutely, sir. Very well. Emily! No! Back to the bin. Hello, everybody. Yeah, Dr. Bill. Sorry. It's always the same, isn't it? Welcome to Shut Up. Shut up. (laughs) Hello, everybody, and welcome to Back to the Bins. I'm Paul Spataro. I'm joined by, as everyone could have heard already, Dr. Bill Robinson. May I speak now? Yes, you may. Do you have anything of interest to say? Eh, no. All right. Thank you. And well, actually, uh, <laughs> shut up. Actually, once we get further on, I'll, I'll, I have some, some comic purchasing news. But go ahead. Okay. So we are joined today not by Scott, who is on assignment, but we are welcoming back after a lengthy absence, Professor Allen and Emily. Hello. Hi there. It's the Hooray. team from episode one forty three, back and better than ever. Well, you've been here since then, Alan, but yep, uh, yep, yep. but Emily is is run from us like the plague. Well, I yeah, yes, yeah, <laughs> a little, just a little. You you only say it because it's true <laughs> and funny. But uh, welcome back. It's been a long time. I'm glad you're able to find some time for us tonight. Absolutely. Uh, this time, I'm actually bringing a book that I'm very excited about, as opposed Spoilers. to being sort of the fill-in. Oh, come on! Well, last time oh, around, you, you brought some sort of sword and sorcery book, if I remember correctly. Uh, Dr. Bill was very excited by this. It was good. It was good. Oh, yeah, because it was, uh, um, yeah. It was, yeah. um... Elric. So, Elric. Was it Corum or was it Elric? Corum. Corum. It was Corum. Yeah. Yeah. It was Corum, yeah. And anybody interested in listening to that, Professor Allen's already given the episode number. We could use some more <laughs> downloads on it. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sure you could. So, Sick burn. I mean, I downloaded it. I am, may have. But other than that, mm, yeah, who knows? <laughs> Back to work soon for you, huh? <sighs> I mean, yeah. Summer is oh. over, my friend. Where, yeah. where, where? Had a whole, only a three month vacation. I know, I know. He's just he's whinging away. <sighs> I get no respect, no respect. I mean, I don't deserve a lot, but a I mean little. none, but none. Come on, none. <sighs> oh, you get a modicum of respect. I've had a very, I've had a very good comic book reading summer. That's all I can say. That's for sure. I've been busy. 
Well, and, and as, as we mentioned quickly, uh, your 100th episode, all six of them ha- have now been posted. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I'm, I am now well into episode three of nice, episode nice. 100. So you have not, I, have you gotten to Dr. Bill yet? No, I have not. That's one of the highlights. Is he in episode three? He's hmm. in episode four, I think. Okay, well then, since I'm in episode three, I would not have. M was in episode. M was in episode three. Yes, I did hear yeah. Emily. I think. In I fact, I think that was the four. second time that I heard her, wasn't it? Uh, nope, nope. No, she, I... she was on once. I was on once by myself. Doctor Bill was on, and Paul was on. How about that? It's a reunion. Hey. There you go. This is an episode one. And you will be reunion. riveted, riveted by my book, Paul. Well, I'm no, gonna have to really. see. I don't know what book you had, so well, I will get to it. Though I am, I am working my way through it. But I, I, I you know, I've it's always a very enjoyed fast book. Ha ha. Oh, it's what is it? An episode, what is it? The Flash? Nope. All right. Well, he's I not, will he's, find. He's not gonna guess. Yeah, I know. Well, it's from the '90s. It could be like a Quicksilver miniseries or something. Nope. Johnny. <laughs> uh, Whatever. I don't know why I'm letting myself get pulled into this this web of, of dance monkey of dance. Lunacy. <laughs> Show you who's the real producer around here. Oh, do we do we really need to go there? <laughs> I'll have that 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 uh, one that Scott and I did edited into you soon, Paul. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. Soon. I don't think that means what you think it means. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So let's uh, let's talk a little comic news of late. Uh, now, I mean, just listening to your your episode, Alan. You know, you bought a uh, hundred books for fourteen dollars. I'd say that's quite the bargain. <sighs> Not yeah, a me, bad me. deal. Not a bad yeah. deal. And some of them weren't bad comics. Some of them were bad comics. <laughs> some of them were, and and that's a weakness of mine. Is some of the books aren't worth the space they take up on your shelf. <laughs> and realistically, you know, sure. at 14 cents a book, you could just take it and throw it in the trash. Once you read it, you got 14 cents yeah. worth of entertainment out of it by reading it. There's no reason you have to keep it, but I just can't bring myself to do that. Mm. See, we have found shipping things across the border to Canada a very yep. effective way to get rid of your we comics. Rid, there's a, a nice charity up in Canada that does uh, cosplay in hospitals. Uh-huh. And takes comics in the Comic Corps of Canada, so we give to those. And then uh, some they, of them, if so, and some of them, if they're falling apart, do go into the recycling bin. I admit that. Do they have Do they have a website? Because it might be worth putting a link I to might, that at I some have, point. Have them on Facebook. I will. I will send that to you. Okay. Yeah. Because I, I definitely have some that I would. I wouldn't mind paring down my collection by getting rid of them, but I wouldn't. I I'm, I'm loath to throw books away. It's mm-hmm. nice to know that they're going to a good cause. That's right. Yeah, so and, if, if they're going to give them to people who are going to you know enjoy sitting and reading them, then that's that's great. And we've uh, we've also experienced uh, what we call the comic book circle of life, where uh, just over on relatively geeky, we have some very generous friends who send us comics to read, and then I'll pack some up, send a few Paul Spataro's way on occasion, or some down to Scott, maybe Bill. I can't remember. Hmm, maybe, maybe not. <laughs> then you pack them up and you send them out. I think uh, probably over the summer I spent I spent more on postage, mailing comics to friends than I did 
actually buying comics. So there's a flaw in the system. I'm not going to lie about that. You're spending more getting rid of them than you are accumulating them. (laughs) Which makes my wife happy. So it's a (laughs) win-win. So how does one determine 14 cents worth of entertainment? Would that be like 30 seconds of Supernatural... I would I would say as far as far as reading comic books, if you read it and you got any enjoyment out of it at all, it's worth fourteen cents. Exactly. It's just it's when it's when you finish reading it, like let's just say it takes ten minutes to read it. When you finish reading it and you say, Well, that's ten minutes of my life I'll never have back, that's when it's yeah. not worth the fourteen cents. If, if you're mad that you read it. And yes. to be fair, you found a couple. Ooh, there were a couple in there. There were a couple in there. So, I'm Alan, still you'll, mad you'll, you made me read uh, metaphor. <laughs> you'll, you'll be uh, you'll be a little upset with the amount of money I spent, but uh, I went to a comic show on uh, on Sunday, and it was kind of an old fashioned show. Uh, you know, pretty much dominated with comic boxes and old books. Hey. And and old it ran school. even even in a, even a small venue, it ran the gamut. There was one particular dealer who had. Uh, you know, all his books were marked with his impression as to what the condition was, mint near mint, mm-hmm. fine, right. very fine, and, and a price next to it that would just, you know, like, kind of make me want to pull the hair out of my head. <laughs> and I saw he was talking to some uh, some younger kids, probably about, you know, early 20s, and I just heard him say, look, if you're just going to waste my time, don't don't bother. Like, you know, just kind of very, very snarky, and I, I just yeah, thought, yeah. that's the kind of dealer I don't like. Yeah. Uh, and then there was another dealer I saw who had the Death of Superman, you know, the the one with the black plastic around it, uh, for twenty dollars. <laughs> Sorry. And I thought that's one that's in twenty five cent bins all across the country. Yep. <laughs> why Why would you try and sell it for that much? I don't know. But then there were others, and this is where where my purchase comes in. Uh, you know, they, he had some well worn issues. He acknowledged that they were well worn, and he had issues of. You know, like early issues of Daredevil, uh, okay. you know, from like the twenties and thirties. I even got a Daredevil number nine. Uh, some Tales of Suspense, Tales to Astonish, Fantastic Four, but all old Silver Age stuff. Mm-hmm. And he had them marked, you know, four dollars, five dollars, three dollars. So you know, I you know he like I said he was acknowledging the condition they were in, right. and uh, I ended up pulling out about forty five dollars worth of books. And then oh, I, nice. pull, yeah. I pulled, I reached into my my pocket and pulled out my card and handed it to him. He said, "Oh, we we can only do cash right now." <laughs> so I looked at my wallet. I says, "Well, I got thirty dollars in cash." He said, "Okay, just take them. Thirty dollars is good." Nice. So he gave me Heck what was yeah. what, we, what we'll mark down to begin with for forty five dollars, right. and he gave it to me for thirty. Nice. So it's not twenty five cents a book, but no, I still no, I still I'll felt it was it. quite I'll the bargain. It. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I decided when I came back into comics now 10, 12 years ago, whatever it was, that I'm not a collector anymore. I'm a reader. And if mm-hmm. I get reading copies, I'm very satisfied with that. Well, I'm somewhere in the middle. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. I, I, I am still a collector, because I do like getting these old issues. Right. But I'm... Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not... Locked in on needing pristine copies. Yes, exactly. You know, if I have a copy, I'm just looking what I what I got here. I got a uh, Tales of Suspense '98, Tales of Suspense '91, '85, number 56. It's a very early Iron nice. Man issue. 
Uh, Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. number six. That's the one with him up in space. The Steranko cover. Nick Fury. Uh, a couple in of Commandies. <laughs> Iron Man number seven. Oh, nice. Iron Man number seven? Oh, yeah. I need that. <laughs> it's with the Gladiator on the cover. Uh, Fantastic Four, 57. <laughs> a couple of issues of the Adventures on the Planet of the Apes. Daredevil 41, 34, 33, 25, 23, 9. Nice. Whoa. So overall, I was pretty happy with with my haul. Bill, you have some recent acquisitions, do you not? Yes. I I was... uh, Well, I think I I, I, I will get bonus points from (laughs) Professor Allen for this. So I found a comic book store, and they were running. The bulk of the back issues were two dollars a piece. I was able to pick up uh, giant size Fantastic Four, five and six, Annual twelve, seven, six, Iron Man sixty, sixty one, sixty two. Um, a couple of recent books that were more than two dollars, so I, I I got a discount on that, but. Basically, he had taken uh, his, you know, I was kind of curious to why he had so many books for $2, and I guess someone who was a friend of his came in the store, and they were talking while I was sorting, and um, he was saying, he's like, yeah, I've got 30,000 back issues here that aren't moving, so <laughs> yeah. I'm just, you know, I'm just going to price them at 2 bucks and just blow them out. And I started to, I don't want to say lose my shit, <laughs> <laughs> but because yes. I'm like, because I'm just, I'm finding more, and I'm stacking them out, and I'm pulling them out, and I'm pulling them out, and I'm like, Bill, calm down. <laughs> you don't have enough money, because I just kept pulling them out, going, look at all these copies of Defenders that I need. Oh, oh. And I was like, no, 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 you haven't gone to the dollar store yet that, 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 that you know of in Safety Harbor, so just get the ones that you know are, are, aren't going to be there. Because I found another store, I'm tangenting on my tangent, I found another store with Four hundred thousand one dollar back issues. Oh my! <laughs> However, they are they were all sorted. the death of Superman. Yeah, they were all <laughs> Superman. With one issue, you know, of one issue of Torek the dinosaur. <laughs> yeah, but I I was looking for one issue of Quasar, and it was one full long box and another half of a long box, and I had and they're not in order. Oh, they're yeah. just in there by grouping. Like, okay, these are all. Qu- these are all Quasar, but you got. I That's looked through the good. entire one and a half bins, and there was not the one issue that I was looking for. I was so pissed. So I'm willing to spend a little extra to not have to sit there <laughs> when I'm looking for one issue. So since then, I have completed my Quasar collection. But anyway, nice. so back. We, so, we have one store near us that uh, has a basement full of dollar books. Wow. Must must be. 50, 60 long boxes because oh. they're stacked two or three high Probably. among all the walls, maybe even more than that. And the problem is, I have to remember, okay, as I'm pulling them out, pulling them out, pulling them out, I'm sorry, you're not in the quarter box. Now remember that. Yeah. <laughs> These are actually dollar These books. Are four times this as much adds as up think. four times as quick, uh, quick as I'm used to. Mm-hmm. So I came away, I stopped myself at 25 books, and I was like, okay, that's so got a nice round of books. 
finished off my War Machine collection, finished off uh, a recent run of Invincible Iron Man, uh, and a few others. Oh, oh, I got a Thunderbolts Volume 2, number one. It was a second printing. I knew you were looking I, for that. It was second printing, but I don't care. I'm like, I don't care. I just want the book. I don't care if it's yeah. a second printing. It's, it's the same story. Don't care. <laughs> you know, I got a third printing of the Invincible Iron Man one where the new Iron Girl or Rory Williams or whatever her name is. Or Riri. Anyway, the one who's the yeah. new Iron Man woman yeah. person. Iron so, Man woman person? Yeah. Iron so because because that's one I haven't been able to find. And one guy ha- had it for $20 and I went, <laughs> That's ridiculous. Yeah. No. I'm like, no, buddy. I said, five years from now, it'll be back down to a dollar. And you'll be trying to move it. You know, I'm like, five I'm years from now, it'll game. be on episode 200 of the Court of Bin podcast. <laughs> exactly. 14 cents. <laughs> so anyway, I spent... Fifty dollars for twenty-five books. Here's where I think I get extra credit. I went to the store because I was way over in another part of the state, about two hours from my house. So I went through another town on the way home using my work van and not my own gas. Ah, you see, so you get to allocate the costs. I like yeah. that. Now, were you reimbursed for your time and mileage? Because oh, then this could I be a money-making proposition. I get paid for a certain portion of my drive home, and technically, going through Bartow via Winterhaven, I was still kind of being paid to be at, at work. Fantastic. So, and it's going to probably be overtime. <laughs> <laughs> so the way I look at it, I got those books for free. They're paying you to take those books. They're paying me to take those books. <laughs> I approve wholeheartedly. <laughs> yes, I, I even told told my boss, I said, hey, uh, you see anything on my GPS that looks kind of funny? I'm just going by comic stores. I'm not, you know. He's like, what? He's like, you collect comics? So I took a picture of, like, some of my books in the garage. And he's like, wow, okay, you collect comics. Uh, all right. <laughs> a lot of comics. You have not begun to know <laughs> the amount of comics. <laughs> I've been in the garage. It's <laughs> quite voluminous. The comics, too. But oh! So that's all I got for comic stories recently. So unless you two have anything to add. I don't have any purchasing stories, but uh, I'm going to be spending most of this weekend sitting on the floor, reading all of the comics that have been piling up now that we're actually buying new books, and half of them are double shipping. So I've got a stack of roughly 18, maybe 20 uh, new Rebirth books sitting in the lid of my short box. Cool. That is going to, is going to that go is away. Our plan, that's, that is our plan for tomorrow. Sitting and reading comics. It's a life. I think it's a good plan. <laughs> it's a plan I wish I had more time to uh, execute. <laughs> Don't worry, there'll be time when the, you know, when the Atomic War comes and you'll be... And then you'll break you can hide out in your comic bunker. That's right. But there's time now. There's time. It's not fair. It's not fair. Okay. All of that said and done, uh, why don't we get to our books? And as is our custom, the Marvel goes first. Who's got the Marvel, Bill? Uh, <laughs> that's, that's a good one, Paul. That is a good one. Hey, I wasn't Never gets supposed old, to right? be here. I'm not even Bill, supposed to be here. Bill bringing a book. Oh, hey. I, remember, I remember the good old days. I bring books. 
I got lots uh, of books. You uh, guys just, just don't not like my synopsis. You guys just don't like my synopses. Well, there's that. I got books. Well, I happen to have the Marvel for this one. And this is Ghost Rider, but maybe not the one you're thinking Johnny of. Blaze, baby. Uh, no. Danny Ketch, baby. Uh, no. Nicholas Cage. <laughs> Absolutely Close. not. Close. Uh, Close. Robbie. Oh, what's the other guy? I can't Reyes. remember his name. Robbie Reyes. 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 I almost said Robbie Ramirez, but I would be wrong. How about Carter Slade? Huh? Oh, the guy that was in the Avengers books that killed Mockingbird? Oh, sorry. Did I? Spoiler. To, to kill a Mockingbird. <laughs> <laughs> this. He didn't is... actually kill her. He did something else. He didn't help her. <laughs> Some people he didn't got unhelped. Looks like you're falling there. Wish I this, could help. You. This. That was hurt. She let him fall. He committed an atrocity that some people consider worse. Oh, some people consider worse than uh, murder because he uh, had his way with her unwillingly. <laughs> but she, he was the one who fell, and she didn't help him. Not the other way around. Yeah, whatever. This. Let's not start wasting time on who killed who. Anyway, Professor, this, I think we've, we've introduced, we've interrupted you enough. This is Ghost Rider number seven from Marvel Comic Cover Date, November nineteen sixty-seven. The Western where, character. Where were you then, Bill? Negative two. I was two in November of nineteen sixty-seven. Paul was. I was five. What? Well, Reading it was, it's book. a cover date of November, which means it probably came true. out in September, which means I would have been four. I would have been almost two. And Emily would have been negative, like, a lot. Four, <laughs> 20, 20, 24, eight, nine, nine, I don't know, I can't do math. Carry the three. Uh, <laughs> wait a minute, aren't you, never mind. Can't do math. I'm not falling for that one. Aha. And this one has the magic cover price of twelve cents. And uh, thanks go out to a faithful listener at Relatively Geeky. We call him the generous Canadian Rob Lance. Hey. He sent me this issue sometime last year, and uh, I knew one day, one day I'd be on bins, and I'd have an old book to cover. So we have the cover is uh, Dick Ayers. And we're told that this is the world's most mysterious Western hero. And we are promised a way out Western adventure. We see the Ghost Rider, dressed all in white, firing a weapon from under his cloak. And the bad guy's gun is flying right out of his hand. Even though the Mythbusters prove that's pretty much impossible. I'm sorry. Are they ghost men rider people? I don't think so. They're not ghost rider busters. That's for sure. And they didn't live in the 1800s either. <laughs> See? Yeah. Perhaps so, they should just keep their two cents to themselves. <laughs> this is the Western character, Ghost Rider, sometimes known as the Phantom Rider, the Frontier Phantom, or the Phantom of the Plains, with the given name Carter Slade. So this is 67, the Ghost Rider that you may be thinking of, Johnny Blaze, began in 1971. And stole this man's name. <laughs> we have the macabre mystery of Massacre Mountain. 
because 1960s. And this was written by Gary Friedrich with art by Dick Ayers and Herb Trippy. Edited, of course, by Stanley, who actually put his credit first on the bottom <laughs> of the page. Never well, this is this is before they did Stanley Presents. That's true. That's true. So you had to get in there somewhere. We start deep in the heart of the treacherous Rocky Mountains, where a gravely wounded Natalie Brooks is risking her very life for an operation which may enable her to walk again. She's in a horse-drawn wagon under the protection of her brother, Sheriff Ben Brooks, and fiancé, Clay Riley. And if she doesn't make it, the sheriff is going to track down the varmint that's responsible for this, the Ghost Rider. The wagon train is being followed by Carter Slade because he kind of agrees with that assessment. He had gone to Ben's house in the guise of Ghost Rider, only for Natalie to jump between him and her fiance, and he actually shot her. But he's following to make sure they stay safe, to save the girl he loves. Because even though she loves someone else, I'm drawn to her like a moth to the flame. I'm following her because I love her. But just as a snowstorm starts up, a wild man, the mountain man, jumps Slade, knocks him out and takes him prisoner. Not one to kill a prisoner, but I can't let them know where Mountain Man lives. A thousand feet below, the wagon train crew pulls into a cave to make camp, but if the blizzard keeps them from moving on for more than a day, it'll be too late for the operation. But they'll get her to Denver on time, somehow. But not if the Mountain Man has his way. More of them come to Massacre Mountain, but they be just like Mountain Man's other prisoner soon. Dead. You see, this is his mountain, and no one can come here unless they want to be Mountain Man's friend. But they wear lightning sticks, so they're not friends. He too smart for them. He kill them while they sleep. Awesome plan. But just then, Carter Slade awakens in Mountain Man's cabin and looks around for clues and learns that this is the legendary mountain man, the man he read about when he first came west. He mounts up on his faithful steed Banshee and rides to the cave as Ghost Rider. Mountain Man knocks out the sheriff and then sees the sick woman, Natalie. It must be her, but Mountain Man thinks her dead, but she finally come back. So he carries her off to take her home and make her well. So he's kind of like a superhero, if you think about it. But she wakes up, screaming for Clay. And in the cave, they notice that she's gone and that her brother, the sheriff, is unconscious. Clay climbs up the bare face of the cliff and comes upon the shack. Mountain Man is sorry he has to gag the girl, but he does so while knocking out Clay. Because if Mountain Man is good at one thing, it is knocking people out. <laughs> Fella has skills, man. Ghost Rider finds the cave, and the sheriff rouses himself, jumping to the wrong conclusion that our hero, the man in white, is the cause of all this. It couldn't have been anyone else. And then we get the scene on the cover, our title character shooting the gun out of the sheriff's hand, and now that you're unarmed, perhaps I can make you listen to me for the sake of those you profess to love. But the sheriff doesn't like this fancy talk, blaming him 
for near killing his sister. Sheriff lashes out at the rider but can't touch him. I don't know how you pull them stunts and I don't care. All that matters to me is revenge. Ghost Rider delivers a consequence to the sheriff, as we put it, sending him back to La La Land. Concerned that the man's stubbornness may prove his sister's undoing, but he will still do all in his power to save her. And as the Phantom of the Plains begins his ascent of the cliff, Natalie tries to convince the mountain man that she is not his wife and is in fact in love with Clay. Clay agrees, and Mountain Man knocks him out again because he's really good at that. Then, just as the gnarled old man turns towards his beautiful captive, Ghost Rider bursts in, halt, touch the girl, and you will surely face the vengeance of the gods themselves. He tells the old man he knows who he is, calling him by his real name, Zebediah Jones, who responds by throwing a knife at the man in white, but it passes right through the ethereal form of the Ghost Rider. And even though he does not wish to strike a sick old man, but he left him no choice. Ghost Rider tries to convince the man that Natalie is not his wife, but he's hearing none of this. So when the rotting beam above her starts to collapse, very conveniently, he dives atop her to protect her, professing his eternal love to his wife, Melinda. And the beam strikes with a sickened thud. And the old man, the mountain man of Massacre Mountain, is dead. Clay tries to attack the rider while he has his chance, but he ends up injuring himself so badly he can't continue on to Denver. When the operation is over, the ghost rider tells him, and this woman is healed, the son of the spirits will return to you. In the ghost rider's arms, being carried into the snow, Natalie says, I don't know who you are, but I believe you will be taking me to Denver. And the rider tells her that she is far wiser than any of those she holds dear. The end. Zebediah was a wild man. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. We are promised next issue, Hurricane. But in fact, this was the last issue of the title. Oh. But if you're, if you, if you're patient... The story does continue a couple years later in Western Gunfighters number one. Mm. Bill, put that on your list. Got it, Jack. <laughs> yep. It's 1960s Western comic. Right? <laughs> yep. Yep. Generally not a Western guy in most formats, so... I, I really didn't know what to make of this when I when I started, but it certainly seems like a 1960s Western comic. Yeah. Yep. I think that is the ultimate review on it. Um, <laughs> well, actually, page six of the art, uh, bottom left-hand panel, that looks like the Submariner. It, when, when uh, just before Johnny Storm just got his memory Johnny back. Just before Johnny Storm burned off his uh, beard. <laughs> but uh, did did they ever really clarify his power set? This was my That's number one question. a little unclear. That was my number one question, because he yeah. mentions making a costume. So I was like, okay, so is this a costume? Well, it's, phosph it's got some phosphorescent powers, and he has... Yeah. I was trying to find there was some 
mechanical... But I don't think he ever truly becomes ethereal. I think he no. had, like like you so, said, mechanical gloves okay, or something to make yeah. it look it like they were separated. like tricks. And, yes, okay. it is tricks. Okay. It's not, right. it's not clear in this issue. No, it is and not. And I'm only about 90% clear of that. Uh, I'm pretty, from, I'm from pretty what I confident that that's what it was, but it's yeah. been so long since I read his origin story. Right. I mean, literally, it's got to be 40 years since I read it. <laughs> yeah. uh, that I don't really have a clear memory of it. Mm-hmm. And then I, when he did appear in the West Coast Avengers... I think they changed things around to make his powers a little bit more real for some, somehow. Okay. Like so he had like the spirit of a prior relative or something in him that allowed I, him to do some things. I, I don't know. And I, I, I believe at one point, just in the uh, research that I did, <clears throat> Wikipedia, not a primary source, um, was that there was some, of course, Native American magic. Of course. Some of that, uh, yeah, ju- exactly. some of like, that mm-hmm. juju going on as well. That may have been how he could throw his voice or something in the or that's where the chemicals to so he could get a glowing white suit came from. So of course, of course, he had to go medicine man route as well. Yeah. And then uh, Mountain Man is kind of just like a junior grade Hulk. Very, very junior. <laughs> There was one point, and I can't find it. Actually, there were two points in this when I read it through. And Unfortunately, it's been a little while between when we planned to do this and when we actually did it, <laughs> because I read this a little while back, and there were two points in it where the storytelling didn't match up with the artwork, and I'm, mm. I'm having trouble finding where they were now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you have to just trust me on that. <laughs> yeah. There, were, they, there was a little uh, lack of sync as far as the artwork yeah. went with the story, but I'm just I'm just looking at uh, page two, uh, the upper right hand corner, where uh, the girl's fiance is shaking a very tiny fist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's not the manliest of men. <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> President there, Trump would have fun talking you, about the size of his hands. <laughs> now, now, maybe he, you know, maybe he was born with a small hand. It's, it's, it's hey, not, hey, you know, science. not judging. But uh, Mountain Man, pretty good, pretty good with big rocks. And now, if you got to move, you stick with it. That's what I say. I think you hit it on the head when you said, "If there's one thing Mountain Man's good at, it's <laughs> knocking people out." And that's oh, about all that Mountain Man is in fact good at. That's his skill set. Because <laughs> uh, English and pattern recognition. Definitely, definitely not in not his skill so set. Good, yeah. Well, to be fair, his wife was a woman. And this, she's a woman. This is a woman. So, hello. Just makes sense if you think about it. It is a 1960s <laughs> comic book, so it is surprising if there are more than two women. <laughs> <laughs> well, and they naturally, of course, they're in dis- you know damsels in distress. Of course. <laughs> But, uh, you know, we're ragging on it. But overall, I, I enjoyed reading this. It was this. fun. I thought it, it was it fun. It is fun. This is certainly worth a quarter. There, exactly. Yeah, I, I, exactly. In fact, in a, you know, in good condition, I'd even say it's worth like 2 or $3. Whoa. Okay. Well, oh, that's... Now you're talking crazy. That's a bit much. Well, mine is, crazy not good, mine is not in good condition, so I, I, I when can't... You talk, when you're I talking books that are, you know, close to 50 years 50 old, years I'm old. thinking... I'm thinking so, two or two or three dollars is acceptable when when people are 
putting out you know four and five dollars a book for the crap that's coming out today. Yeah. I mean, this one was falling apart as I was scanning it, so that's always a good sign, right? <laughs> <laughs> the artwork is a little like kind of in, it's a little inconsistent. There's some points where I think it looks you know really nice, and then there's others where it just kind of looks rushed. Yeah. Uh, I, uh... Huh? My feeling with this throughout was stiff. Mm. That even even in the action scenes, some of the action scenes had decent flow, but panel to panel there was very little continuity, very little sense of motion. It was. Mm. I know that a comic is just a series of still images, but when I'm looking at a page, just like yeah, that sure is five still images on a piece of paper. <laughs> it just you, indicates you that I'm not flow. getting swept up in it. Yeah, you want to flow between those images. You don't want it to be just five disparate images. Mm-hmm. Or just pictures of people standing next to each other with captions. Mm-hmm. So well, that's that's kind of goes to what I was saying earlier. I think there's a little bit of a disconnect between the story and the artwork at points. Mm-hmm. And Maybe I'm that's... not 100% sure that Dick Ayers knew exactly you know, what Gary Friedrich wanted him to do with this story. So was Natalie, uh, Natalie's fiance and whatever the sheriff and all that. When they wrapped her up to move her, were they, were they trying to turn her into a mummy? I mean, I think that thing was cutting off circulation or something. Like she looks like she's in a cocoon. Yeah, yeah. Oh well, wow, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you have to make sure that the paralyzed woman isn't going to run away in the middle of the night. It's, it's or slide, or, slide off the bed. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah, for a story this long where this much happens, not a lot happens, actually. The mountain Man yeah. knocks out about five people. <laughs> it's a very man. productive day for the Mountain Man. <laughs> Many Next. consequences are delivered by the Mountain Man, that is true. Yeah, but in, But in terms of the overall story of getting her to Denver to get the operation, this was like didn't yeah and like nothing this I mean is, if 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 that's the arc this is the running around hallways yeah this is episode three of, yeah. of a Doctor Who story you know what's got me curious is if they're in a snowstorm why does the next why does it say next issue hurricane huh what you know what? I believe hurricane is the name of a person. Oh. I read ahead. Oh, oh okay. okay. I believe I believe the hurricane or hurricane was the one Ghost Rider villain. Oh. Oh, okay. So it's not a snow cane. <laughs> so for once, not a weather report. Okay. <laughs> Nor a Sharknado. Oh man, that, uh, I'm, I'm just that looking. Would've, that would have vastly improved the story. <laughs> Ghost Rider versus Sharknado. Boom. That I would have read in a heartbeat. <laughs> I'm looking at the, the last page of the story. So apparently if you piss off Ghost Rider enough, he kicks you in the shin. <laughs> Ow! His, his deadly, deadly spirit shit. And then he grabs his leg like uh, like Peter Griffin on Family Guy. <sighs> ah. Ah. I, th- I think you skinned it. <laughs> My leg, I can't walk. That's going to leave a mark. broken. I, I think that's to show us what a wimp the fiancé is next to the six-gun specter. Well, because uh, 
Ghost Raven says, nonsense, quavering coward is only a bruise, <laughs> but it will prevent you from following us. Uh, us? You mean you're taking Natalie with you? That's right. What are you going to do about it? Wimp. I'll kick you in the other leg. <laughs> and give you such a pinch. You got, the, you, got, you got the two gun kid and you got the two kick ghost. The two shin. <laughs> the two shin kick ghost. Now, when, when you when you think about it from the perspective of when this came out or when this was coming out, this is a fairly innovative Western character because, you know, you mentioned the two-gun kid. That was kind of the standard, the two-gun right. kid, the rawhide kid, the kid cult outlaw. You know, there wasn't a lot of variation. So to add this guy who, you know, as, as lame as it may be to use his phosphorus powers... Uh, it's still kind of a pretty it's something. It's far different. out concept for that day, and it's at you know as far as westerns go. And it it, it is I mean, it's sort of a shame to some extent that his, you know, his name got taken by a much more popular character, and he is to some extent lost to the lost to the dustbins of history. But well, he looks like uh, he kind of looks like Johnny Blaze, or Johnny Blaze took his look on. What is it with the first shot we see uh, top of page three, the top left-hand corner? That could almost be Johnny Blaze there on the horse. It could be Johnny the Blaze w- on the horse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you just got to set the horse on fire. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> yes. Whoa, yes. Whoa, whoa. Yes. I think this is the biggest problem for me, is that if your book is called Ghost Rider, I want ghosts. I don't care if he is the ghost. I don't care if he's fighting the ghosts. I don't care if he ain't afraid of no ghosts, but I want ghosts <laughs> in my western. Ghost Rider meets Casper? And shoots him. <laughs> yes. Holy shit, you know what the ghost. friendly ghost. But I, mean, I, I guess it does a decent job of kind of taking the western character and giving it just a touch of superhero. Yeah. 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 So you could see in some of the panels here, some of the faces... I could see the Herb Trimpey influence on Dick Ayer's art. Uh, particularly page 10, uh, when Mountain Man's knocking out yet another guy in the middle bottom panel. That is that is definitely a Trimpey face. He was good at drawing people getting knocked out. Okay. Uh, you know, again. That was his, that was his, well, his, his, his general look, people had long faces. The way he drew them, um, I'm trying to think of like what else made them distinct, and it's a little hard to to, to describe. But like I said, I could just see that that's you know, I could see that exact face in an issue of his Hulk run. So okay, what'd you think of it overall? I uh, for the uh, for the cover, I thought that was pretty good. Uh, our lead characters front and center. He's doing something that looks western, you know, shooting a gun out of somebody's hand, and, and a little eerie. So, you know, mission accomplished on that. And it does happen in the book, the scene. So, to me, you, you, you get a little bonus for that as well. But I'm actually going to give the cover a B plus. The art on the inside, you know, nothing too dramatic. Maybe, you know, solid 1960s Marvel work. Uh, the effect on the Ghost Rider was okay, maybe a little better than average. C plus, and the story, 
yes, it's a bit melodramatic, but that's not unusual for westerns or weird westerns if this is sort of almost one of those. There was that sort of unrequited love triangle, an unspoken love triangle, and there's something kind of extra heroic and sacrificial here with the Ghost Rider, you know, not forcing his claim of love upon her. Though that may be what next issue is. I don't know. He's got her all the way to Denver, so you never know. So I kind of dug the story. It's a B, B plus, overall a B. You know, I didn't really know what to expect. And, you know, those low expectations may have helped. But I think it was a fine, fun little read. All right, fair enough. M? I think my scores were pretty much the same. B plus for that cover being the best thing about this book by a pretty wide margin. Well, there is that. Uh, if, you're, if you're only going to have one really interesting image in your whole book, put it on the cover. Use it twice. Use it twice. <laughs> it's um, as far as the art goes, B minus. I, I, I gave it a little bit more credit. Each individual panel is pretty good. and Actually, mm-hmm. the the second cover, quote-unquote, the, the first right, the page, end, right. splash page, it's actually pretty good. I'm kind of a sucker for the spectral, oversized, mm. like, being in the background. I, I just dig it from the specter. Mm-hmm. So, you know, B-minus for the times, pretty okay. I did not like this story. What? I, I give it a, a C for just complete melodrama and not having any tension whatsoever in the story until page eight. I, I that was that was way too long to but, wait for it in a book that has this many words on every page for me to be interested. But once the mountain man started knocking people out, I mean come on. You didn't you didn't know who was anyone, any knocking anybody out. That was on the table. So and and I would have I would have given it a little bit of a better grade if the writing had done a better job making Mountain Man tragic. That yeah, would have been... Yeah, it was more pathetic. If, if Mountain Man became more of the focus, and we, we sort mm. of dug a little bit more into the he's gone crazy because he's up here on his own, but he's also kind of sad, and that that death at the end to save Nat was, like, actually addressed. Right. And then maybe, maybe I could have given it a little bit of a pass, but overall I'm going to give this whole thing like B minus. Just enjoyable enough to read, but I am never going to read this again. Not even for a quarter. Not even for a quarter. 14 cents, maybe. Heartbreaker. It's a heartbreaker. Mm. Kill on it. Emily, what for you live? What for you leave Mountain Man in that cold, cold cabin? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I like the cover and and like like c- covers of past uh, of of this period. It's hey, it's in the book. It's yeah. in the book. Something we don't see much too much nowadays. Um, so uh, I'm gonna give it a B plus. It would be a B, but I'm gonna give it a plus because it's in the book. Exactly. Um, the art. I'm not a big, I'm not a big uh, Dick Ayers, Trumpy fan, but um, you know, it's as any Layla would say, it's all right. Yeah, all right. It's all right. So I guess going with that, I'm gonna give it a C plus, 
and the story. Mm. <laughs> yeah, mm. pretty much. That, that good, huh? Oh, <laughs> oh, man, the cat just threw up. God, just what I need. That's that's what that's, he does. You know the story. what? That's what, what did Alvin think of the story? Okay. Alvin just went blah all over the carpet. Really, Alvin? So I, I guess I'm going to have to give it a. Well, I don't think we have a P for puke. So <laughs> I guess we'll give it a D. So that's that's going to make it a C overall. Thanks to Alvin's uh, timely in- intervention. Okay. Um, and I'm going to meet because I got to clean this stuff up. Right All right, I'll, I'll give my uh, my ratings while you clean up the. Uh, we'll just leave it at that. Podcasting uh, is so glamorous, you know. It is. That's exactly is. why I wanted to get into it. Yeah. <laughs> so the cover, I like the cover, but I seem to remember there being better Ghost Rider covers in this mm. in the other six issues, uh, or at least among the other six issues. It's it's good, but it's not great. So I'm going to say it's a B. The interior art, my biggest criticism on the interior art is that it's not dynamic and it almost has a two-dimensional feel about it. It doesn't mm-hmm. pull you into the action, really. Uh, otherwise, it's you know it's certainly workmanlike, and I usually like Dick Ayers a little bit more than what I'm seeing here. Uh, and it looks like Trimpy did a nice, clean inking job, so I'm not putting the blame on him. I just think it's, it's a little uninspired. So I'm going to say a C-plus on the interior art. Uh, Story is silly, and I think, Emily, you kind of hit it on the head that if they give us a little bit more to feel invested on Mountain Man, that then the final sacrifice would have been a little bit more of a kick in the gut, and it would have had some some real weight to it. Uh, But without that, it's just kind of a, you know, it's just a story. So I'm going to say a C plus on that as well. I'm going to give the book overall a C plus. Reasonable. So I'm I'm once again the the low the low hanger on this uh, in my ratings. But what can you do? Uh, you back, Bill? Yeah, please. <laughs> I am. I guess we we'll wait for a couple of minutes for Bill to come back. And then we'll get to our book two. So just just to tell the story about it, uh, Scott was Scott was texting us. He was out with his wife last week, and he's actually texting us from the restaurant while him and his wife were out eating. And uh, we got our priorities. And and apparently uh, the girl from Ipanema came on the uh, <laughs> on on the music or whatever they had playing, and he said, "Oh, that's a back to the bin song." And Miss, Mrs. Gardner was, was so impressed by this oh, okay. that uh, I, I'm trying to remember what song it was. There was there was another song that came on, uh, which she she actually texted me. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was wondering how Scott got that dinner roll dislodged from his nose after she threw it at him with the ferocity of a thousand suns. <laughs> <laughs> But there, uh, some some other like a love song came on. I can't think of what it was offhand. And uh, oh yeah, she said, she said, "I only have eyes for you." Came on a few moments ago, and I asked Scott if that was another back to the bin special song, <laughs> <laughs> which I just thought that was great. So Doctor Bill is back with us. All right, yes. move on. We can move on to our DC crisis averted. 
Cats is averted. Yeah. Who's got the DC, Bill? Uh, screw you. <laughs> Over to. Uh, I brought the DC book this time around. And I'm actually very excited to uh, to be looking at this particular book when my dad first mentioned, hey, there's a spot open on bins. Do you have something you want to bring? Maybe an actual Marvel or DC this time around. And I said, absolutely. I can see the cover in my head. I know what I want to talk about. We just have to find that issue. Buried in a shoebox, under a shoebox, <laughs> under my bed, behind another shoebox. Just to clarify, it had not made it into the short box yet. It no. was still in the shoebox phase. Yes. <laughs> I brought Legionnaires, issue number 13, from April of 94. And the cover proclaims, there's a new girl in town, and she's Matter Eater Lad. What? I freaking love this cover and it is actually the first issue of Legionnaires that I actually purchased because I saw it in a quarter bin and was immediately okay I need to read this and I need everything else involving this this happening this looks this looks genius that's my M that's my M (laughs) so on the cover we see Matter Eater Lad looking in the Reflectomatic 9000, aka a mirror, and seeing himself in his uh, brand new hot lady bod with the rest of the Legionnaires creeping in the bathroom door. Um, I love this cover so much, except for the fact that it seems that uh, Sunboy has been replaced by Plastic Man. Uh, and it's making possibly the weirdest face I have ever seen in my entire life. Is that a derp I, face? Or is that not even? I don't know what it is, but it's just kind of uncomfortable. The story itself, which I don't think you would ever put this title to this cover, is called Chain Gang. And, uh, oh, there's a lot happening in this issue. For them, to, for them to pick one image for the cover was, let's just say, a struggle. This was written by Tom and Mary Beerbaum, penciled by Frank Fosco, and inked by Wade Von Grawbadger and Ron Boyd. In the center of an anti-alien protest in Paris, a young female dominator zaps the Legionnaires with an energy beam. But instead of disintegrating them, it it teleports them to somewhere even less safe than a riot, a maximum security prison. Prisoners and guards alike attack the quote-unquote cop-kissing teenage freaks who are able to manage a narrow escape. Meanwhile, in the Metropolis Dome, Tenzel Kem, a.k.a. Matter Eater Lad, decides that it would be a great idea to join some green-skinned alien beds on a mission to infiltrate a Sklarian pirate ship. They point out that he's going to need a disguise... But when they start poking him with needles and spraying him with all kinds of weird chemicals, Tenzel has second thoughts. In another meanwhile, a second team of Legionnaires are under psychic attack as their teammates desperately try to shake them loose. I have no idea what's happening in this section, and thus we will move on. (laughs) Meanwhile, in an Acapulco Medicenter, Saturn Girl is sitting at the bedside of Cosmic Boy, as he recovers from an accidental injury incurred 
by fellow team founder Lightning Lad. Romantic tension and team drama abound. Back in Legion headquarters, Tenzel wakes to a shocking revelation. He's a girl! Back in Paris, the Holy re- Sheboygan! I'm a girl! <laughs> to get the direct quote. Back in Paris, the recently escaped A-Team finds that young Dominator again. She just wants to be left alone. But the teen formerly known as Sunboy, because I refuse to call him whatever his cool, edgy 90s name is, decide, uh, manages to convince her to teleport the team to the Archduke's palace. Maybe they'll be able to convince him to stop all the killing. She agrees, and the Legionnaires appear in a heavily guarded palace with guns drawn on all sides. They fight back and seem to be winning, for they are all subdued by Grimbor, the Chainsman. Oh. That's where the title came from. Apparently. I guess. Okay. Back with Matter Eater Lass, we get an explanation. He has been infected with Grandin gender reversal disease since all Solarians are female. The crew meets with their underworld contact and successfully infiltrate the pirate ship. Unfortunately, Tenzel gives himself away with a pronoun slip. He tries to recover, but the pirates know what he is. A spy. And there's only one thing to do with a spy. And it's not not (laughs) let them go if they promise to never ever do it again. I love this issue. I find it hilarious in the best ways that Legion issues should be. Um, I, like I said, honestly, the interior for this could be almost anything. I really love this cover. I, I unapologetically, I think it is amazing. I like opening up with the roll call. I like the heads. I like the powers that are listed. Again, they are under their dumb 90s names like Inferno. That would be the Legionnaire formerly known as Sunboy. The Legionnaire always known as Sunboy. Yeah, yeah. Triad and Alchemist and... Yeah, when they were trying to get away from the lass and the lad and the kid and the boy and the girl names in as many cases as possible, but... Eh. Who who (laughs) did the cover? Because it's the same... I believe it's the same team. I don't see a mm. a separate yeah, cover credit. Let me. Well, I'm, I'm looking on on the thing. It looks like there's a signature says here. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I'm here? pretty sure it's not a signature. I, I don't. I don't <laughs> believe oh, that that very is. Funny. <laughs> uh, no. Wait a minute. That's not right. If if we're looking in a mirror, that should be spelled backwards. I think it actually says rash. No, there. Rashed meat. Oh, you might oh. be trash. It's trash. Okay, okay, that makes sense. See? Yeah. I got it right. But wait a minute. No, the R is still in the wrong direction. The R should be flipped. Yeah, it's, um, clo- it's close, but you yeah, might be right. Look, looking at the actual The S is image, backwards, but yeah. Yeah, looking at the actual image. It's, it's closer. It's because of the black borderline is right there next to the R. It looks like it's facing the wrong direction. It is It is facing the uh, correctly backwards wrong way. Blame whoever scanned it. Hey. Nitpicks abound. 
<laughs> I have to say, uh, before you gave your synopsis, I was a little, I was just a tad confused by this issue. Okay. Well, that's classic like, Legionnaire. <laughs> that is classic what, Legionnaire. What the heck is going on and who are these people? <laughs> yes, there but is. Other, other than not knowing who they were or what they were doing, I had no problem at all. Fair enough. That is a, a, a problem for the Legion in general because there are approximately 8 million people that are on the team. And I actually do, you know, they, they do a pretty good job, as my dad pointed out, with the roll call. But they only give a roll call for nine characters. Mm. And I'm pretty sure there's about 15 named Legionnaires in this issue, but some of them only show up for a page and a half and are in some sort of weird mental time trap uh, where there's like reality warping and so they're like experiencing their greatest fears. What, whatever that is. I don't understand what it is and I couldn't care less. What do they say? All subplots accounted for. That is the that is the Legion go to <laughs> yeah. at all times. And so my, my general want is that I'm going to prefer Silver Age and Bronze Age stuff anyway. Mm. It's just my thing. Right. Uh, but with the Legion, Legion, the Legion in general, and I would say Hawkman, uh, life is just so much more simple before the crisis. That, yeah, yeah, that is true. You know, it, it didn't it didn't have that same level of Okay, now what time period did this come out in, and what was their history at this point, and was this when they were stuck in the current time that they got lost, you know, in their past, our present, you know, well, what's going on here? I don't know, and I just get confused very, very quickly with yep. them, and and a lot of times I don't want to invest the time in reading them, and it's probably my loss more often than not, but you know, that's that's what ends up happening. Yeah, I think with the Legion and the Legionnaires. Either you're in or you're not. You know, as a reader, it's a, you can't be casual with it. Yeah. Whereas you know, back when their history was a little bit more simple, mm -hmm. and you can probably say that for almost every character that's been around since the '60s. But when the when the history was a little bit more simple, it, it was just you know, it was easier to just pick up a book, and as long as you could figure out what was going on in that particular storyline, right. you could figure out what was going on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And this is unfortunately a significant problem with the Legionnaires title in particular, because it is a, a, it's not a backup story, but there were two Legion titles running parallel throughout this period of time. There was the main Legion title and then Legionnaires, and the story bounced back and forth between them. So if you're like me and have the complete series of Legionnaires from issue well, zero, I guess, to about issue 37. Congratulations, you have half a story. I have exactly 50% of the story. You have every other <laughs> chapter. No, that, that's just killer. So, I th it's a thing about the Legion that I think the less you care about the continuity, the more you will enjoy an individual story. Yeah. Because you can just take it on, as a, on its own as weird, zany space hijinks without trying to rationalize well, these are the second generation characters from that timeline, and this timeline, they're clones of the original timeline that what? have crossed over, uh, dominators yeah, we, are involved. I don't know if we mentioned this, but there are clones involved in Legion history at this time as well. So, yeah. Oh, God. Oh, my head hurts. I mean, why, but why would you do that? I just don't understand it. Things yeah. got Let's make this so convoluted that people can't yep. understand it. Yep, yep. Like I said, the more that you ignore the meta plot 
of Legion, I think the more enjoyable the stories are because you can just take them, especially in this case, just as a bunch of random vignettes with a bunch of troublemaking space teenagers. And of of the titles, Legionnaires was always sort of the lighter toned one. That that's where you might have a little bit of humor, a little bit of lightness to it. So with I like cosmic sex changes and like <laughs> with cosmic sex changes and uh, I like being transported out, being saved by being transported to the middle of a prison. Yeah, a corrupt prison. <laughs> where nobody likes you. You can't even ask for the guards to show up because they are also part of the anti-alien, pseudo-eugenic, xenophobia nonsense that's going down in France. So it's like the reverse cheers, uh, where everybody knows knows your name, but everybody hates you. (laughs) Yes. Nobody knows your name. (laughs) You don't know anyone's name, is what happens if you pick up a Legionnaire's title. They all hate you. I did like the Baby Dominator. I thought the baby Dominator was cute with all those sharp, killing teeth. De- deadly teeth. But still, kind of cute. Kind of cute. <laughs> Who's a good little Dominator? You are. <laughs> She's a good little Dominator. Now, the one part that I liked about this was... The one part. The one of the parts was during the... Right after the... Uh, disease happened to poor matter eater person they were getting getting dressed and he asks about the bra this thing is murder are these things really necessary yeah looking at you they actually are it actually is necessary for you buddy (laughs) and I just think that's a that's a uh we have examples of plenty of female characters, and their costumes may be such that they there's clearly no support garment involved at all, and the issue really never comes up. So I mean, maybe the fact that this was co-written was written by a husband and wife team. <laughs> I'm I'm giving Mary Beerbaum credit for that line, the line about a. You know, for once, we have a comic book character who's actually concerned you know, wear, about a bra. You know, bra. actually wearing a bra. <laughs> it's, it's so unusual among lady comic book characters. Especially in the 1990s. Whoa, yeah, for, hello. For sure. <laughs> for sure. All right, so we got anything more on this one? Hmm. What do you have at it, Emily? All right. So, uh, for the cover, A-. minus. It is a solid, good cover. The weird, perverted cat face that Sunboy is making on the face. Oh, you mean Inferno. Uh, No. (laughs) I know what I said. (laughs) I will never take him seriously. Um, I love him, but no. It's like he's saying. Are you talking about Sunboy or Alan? <laughs> hey now. Hey, hey now. Whoa. whoa. Sunboy's going, uh, who's checking out Matter Leader Ads, Lad's butt? This guy. <laughs> That's this guy. I mean, not out of character since he and Matter have kind of rivaled for being the most lecherous member of the team for decades. <laughs> I just really like it. It sets the right, just comedic ridiculous tone 
for the rest of the issue. And I mean, this this is the whole reason I bought it. So A minus for the cover. As far as the internal art, a B. I I like these character designs. I think that they're simplistic and updated just enough for the nineties, because I have seen some terrible nineties retooling of classic characters. Yeah, that's true. So these characters were all at least still recognizable to me from like their 60s or 70s or 80s versions where you could sort of tell who was who. There were some problems with the inking. There had to be a fill-in inker. Uh, I Mm -hmm. read somewhere, I think it was on Legion of Super Bloggers, that there was some art time constraints and it shows a little bit. But again, solid, good quality B. The story convoluted as hell. <laughs> I fully admit this. I personally was able now, I've to... read lots of issues of Spawn. Hell is not this convoluted. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, <laughs> as convoluted as the DC editorial <laughs> offices. But if you are able to parse it a solidly enjoyable story because I was able to keep up with who was who, right. a B plus. I give the book overall probably a B plus as well. Solidly enjoyable. This one I am looking forward to rereading in a few months. I like the cover. It's dramatic. And once you sort of realize what you're looking at, it's pretty funny. And it does set the stage for at least that, what, third of the story. Uh, so, yeah, B-plus-ish for the cover. Uh, the inside art, I'm less of a fan of some of the costume redesigns. I just think Sunboy, uh, well, Inferno, he should have burned that burned that uh, that suit in, in, in Inferno somewhere. So a couple of the costume redesigns, eh. So eh, B-minus on that. I mean, the storytelling works. Uh, there are lots of characters, and they don't look identical. And that is actually something worth pointing out when that when that happens. Uh, the story, I like the soap opera aspect of it. That's what I expect from any Legion-related title, is teen drama. Uh, the CW in a comic book is sort of what I expect from, from the Legion. Multiple storylines, multiple characters. Some of them I didn't understand what was happening, but you know they were in there. I think they were handled well, if, if you get the full the full scope. Lighter tone. I think that the gender change disease is played mostly for a non-insulting, non-cringy sort of humor. Uh, Twenty plus years later, and Tensel's just really bad at being a check. Like just really, really, really bad. utterly atrociously terrible, and it is hilarious. So overall, yeah, probably B B plus. I thought it was solid. It helps. It helps that I was a faithful reader of the Legion for 10, 12, 15 years or so. Not up until this point, but I was bringing enough Sun Boy, Chameleon Boy, Brainiac experience to the table. Uh, that worked for me. Uh, but I know the Legion can be a tough in for any new reader. And that's all. At, at this point, it's not a flaw, it's a feature of Legion stories. Which is why Rebirth Legion does not exist. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, how can you? It's, it's tough. It's tough. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, the Legion. The Legion's not in the Rebirth stuff. They have it's, hinted. They have implied, so but they, they have not come, shown they've up. Not shown up yet. Um, and they weren't. They'll get to them eventually. They yeah. will. Yeah. I I hope they will. I think they will do it well, but not a major part of the new Fifty Two either. I mean, it's been a while since they've been sort of mainstream. Well, they they did in the new Fifty Two. They had them come out in Adventure Comics as a reboot. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And that was one of I. If I remember right, I think that was one of the first wave of cancellations. Yes, it was. That sounds, I think, that sounds right. I think they lasted about ten issues. <laughs> like mm. they tried, but it, Legion is just. And they a tried whole... Legion Lost in the new Fifty Two as well, and that again didn't. It's tough. You've got to sort of already be on board with the Legion. It's very hard to get on that very fast moving well, train. And the problem is. If you want to pull in new readers, you probably have to start it over again, but then you're going to continue to alienate older readers yep, yep. who are going to say, you're rebooting them again? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's a tough, tough position. It's a tough property right now. Mm-hmm. Mm. But teen drama. You would think you could find a place for that. It's all over TV. You'd think comic books could find a place for that. Yeah, you would think this is right up the alley with, you know, the typical WB show. Yeah, it should be. Hey! What's wrong with typical WB shows? Hey, I like typical WB shows. I didn't mean, I I wasn't saying that. Okay. You just gotta... Don't get your your butt in an uproar. You gotta know what it is. Well, for one thing, they're all CW shows now. Boom. You're you're talking to the guy that mainlined 13 seasons, no, 12 seasons of Supernatural in, like, Two and a half months. So hey, Bill and I are getting and ready. Is proud of it. Bill and I are getting wow. ready for our Gilmore Girls spinoff show too. Don't forget yeah. that. <laughs> There's a Gilmore Girls spinoff that, I'm gonna show. Pay, I'm going to pay. Oh, that's one. right. That's right. You and me and, and Andy. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's that's good. I hope you guys enjoy. <sighs> Please. So now the cover, I think, is well drawn. It kind of you know has a comedic element to it. Uh, it, it's appealing, but I don't know if it would make me buy it off the newsstand. Yeah. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna say give it a B. Fair enough. The interior art is it, it looks to me almost like an independent book. Mm. It, it's just not one of not a style that I particularly care for. Uh, in the art, the, the pencil, the inks, or the coloring. To be honest with you. But other than that, it's not that it's it's not that it's bad. Well, that's that's the point I want to make is it's yeah. not that it's bad. It's just not my style. Hmm. I don't really care for it. But that makes it hard. It, it gets harder for me to judge books like that because I want to judge them on their merit, but I also want to say what I think about mm-hmm. them. Sure. So overall, uh, I'm going to say a C plus in the interior art. I'm just not that crazy about it. Um, and the story, without Emily's help, I was just a, a confused, <laughs> babbling idiot. But that's kind of kind of status quo for me anyway. So I'm going to say a B- minus on the story. That it's, it's entertaining, but it was confusing. And Which, overall, I'll give the book a B-. minus. Honestly. I think you're right on that. Honestly, all Legion books should just have that as a sticker on the front. Just entertaining, but confusing. Confusing. <laughs> You want to take a go with this one, Bill? Uh, I like the cover. All, All right, right. So now we move on to our <laughs> next book. Yeah. Next up. No, 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 no. 
no, no. I I do like the cover. I would give the cover a B. I like the touch of being in a mirror and being surprised by the in. Does that toothpaste say spooge? <laughs> spooge toothpaste. I mean, I never said it was classy. I said it was mm-hmm. funny. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, it's <clears throat> the spooge spooge paste. Um, yeah, I'm with Paul a little bit on the interior art. It's not something I'm. I, I'm not used to these to this team. Um. Art-wise, um, the Legion has always been a big question mark for me. The first time I even touched on them was from uh, just before Crisis, and the one Legionnaire that I always seem to remember is the one with the wings. What is that, Dawnstar? Dawnstar. Yeah, I always seem to remember her more than any other Legionnaire. Um, I think because She's the one that dated the guy who was made of solid energy. Oh, but then, then I always wondered, did, did she need a Legion flight ring? But no, anyway. Right, she did, didn't, wasn't she romantically linked with Wildfire? That, I believe that is correct. Hmm. So, uh, I mean, I've got maybe in my entire collection, maybe a handful of Legion books. Some, I think, in the 2000s with, um, I think when Mark Wade was giving it a go. Yep with one of the relaunches and I was still kind of like, I'm kind of lost. Well, okay, I'm going to be honest. If you can't get into the Wade reboot, it just, it is a lost cause. Just write it it off and just carry on. So I picked the really wrong spot to start, right? No, that is just, that that is the most sensible that the Legion has literally ever been. So if that didn't work for you, just, 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 well, I think I was trying to put it into context with the other stuff and I was, Uh, ah, well, you see, there you go. Yeah. And I needed to just let it go. So, um, but I mean, I got to chuck a lot of parts of the story. So, um, all right. So art wise, I'm just going to give it a middle of the road. C. the story. I think I'm going to give it, uh, I'll give it a C plus. So overall, uh, C plus bordered on a B minus. Where I'm at. Sounds about right. <laughs> All right. Who's the girl on the cover in the picture? Um. Oh gosh. That, Saturn girl. I would. I would. Oh, up, up on I the would mirror. Yes. Yeah. Shrinking violet. Up on the mirror. Oh, because yeah. she's holding a violet. That would make. That, uh, would, yeah. that would be my. And I believe. She, I believe she and, and Mad Reader Lad were a thing yeah. at the time. Boy, is she in for a surprise. <laughs> yeah. Hey. <laughs> okay, so... Bill, I guess we're ready to go on to our indie? Bill, you got that? You know, we've already replaced you, Alan. <laughs> Can you fire him again? No. <laughs> Fortunately, no. This would be like that scene in Seinfeld. I don't even really work here. <laughs> and, and, and that's what makes this so hard. <laughs> so for the indie, I chose The Astounding Wolfman number one, which is cover dated May of 2007. And in honor of Alan being on the show, this was a free comic book day debut for Woo-hoo! the series. So, there was no question that it was worth what it cost to buy it. 
question was, was it worth the time it took to read it? There you go. Cover shows a strangely proportioned werewolf in a strange kind of superhero-ish outfit, leaping at the reader with claws extended and jaws agaping. There's a red background, and it looks like there's some lightning in the sky, and all very, very dramatic. The story is written by Robert Kirkman, coming off his success with uh, The Walking Dead and Invincible, trying to see if lightning could strike three times. Uh, Penciled, inked, and colored by Jason Howard, and lettered by Russ Wooten. The story opens at the Willow Creek Campground, in Willow Creek, Montana, where uh, we see a distraught family with an ambulance pulling up, and uh, the the woman is clearly in tears, and she's trying to comfort her husband, saying that things aren't too bad, and then you turn the page and you see that he's been badly mauled to the point where you see, you know, quite a bit underneath his flesh, and a huge pool of blood uh, that he's laying in. Ah, it's just a flesh and, wound. And we, we immediately cut from there to a month later where he's been in a coma in the hospital and his wife is there waiting with him and he wakes up and asks when she started smoking again. He's, she's shocked that he woke up at that point and then a nurse comes in and uh, it just pretty much kicks the wife out Tells the wife there's a lot to do. She should go home, come back the next day. <clears throat> Cut inside the room where, shock of all shocks, it happens to be in the night of a full moon. And we see him have what appears to be some sort of a painful transformation into the wolf man. He leaps from the hospital window, which clearly is quite a few stories up, but he manages to grab on and recover and we spend a couple of pages watching him leap around the city uh, at which point he comes to what appears to be a penthouse area uh, which called garden area where there's some old dude who looks to be fiddling with some bonsai trees but not for long as the wolfman is going to have his meal right now cut back to the hospital the next morning where uh, Gary our erstwhile wolfman is awake and looking for some clothes to put on and pretty much fully recovered. So he comes home a month later to the Hampton Estate, which is a huge mansion where there's apparently servants and just, uh, you know, we, we quickly find out that he's quite affluent and the head of a company. His daughter is learning to play tennis and doing quite well. He's trying to take care of some business things, not succeeding too well, and then he takes a break and goes out and plays tennis with his daughter, and she kicks his butt. And he goes to bed that night with various worries on his mind, and it is, since it is a month later, it's a full moon again, he transforms into the werewolf again, and eats a little, cute little bunny rabbit. Oh, a lot of blood. Look at the bones, man! And uh, then he wakes up the next morning, his pajamas are all ripped to shreds, and they see the security cameras for the estate, happen to see the wolfman outside, and shockingly, he's wearing Gary's shorts. So they put two and two together. And and somebody stole his shorts! (laughs) Exactly! 
That dog stole my pants. <laughs> so, upon realizing this, they come out and meet up with a man who's just made his way onto the estate, and they're wondering how he got by security. He starts explaining that he's going to help them to deal with what's going on, and he lets finishes off with a big smile saying that he knows a thing or two about the supernatural and we see that he has fangs and is apparently a vampire. And that's the cliffhanger to go into the next issue. So I guess the whole thought is we'll give you the... The first taste is free, <laughs> but you're going to have to pay to come back. So, you know, as I said, this is coming off Walking Dead and Invincible and it's Gary Kirkman's... Gary Kirkman, Robert Kirkman's attempt to uh, to see if he could do it again. And did this I think take this off? About, no, I mm. think this lasted about ten or twelve issues, and that was it. Mm. You know, Robert Kirkman just recently. Um, I guess any like future projects he's doing, he's not going to do with AMC. I can't remember if he's going to do it with like Amazon, Hulu, or Netflix. But he's not, uh, or if it's going to be another network. But he's yeah, he's not. So I, I, you know, if he ever does brings Invincible to the screen, or or maybe the Wolfman property, it's not going to be on AMC anymore. No, I don't think the Wolfman is. I mean, this was about ten years ago, uh, and it didn't take off. So I, I don't think it's really going anywhere. It's kind of in uh, publishing limbo at this point. Mm. But Paul, you missed the best part of this whole free comic book day preview, and that's the couple page preview of the Brit, a book which I covered. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I was, I was, I wasn't a fan. If, if, if you'll recall. Right. But uh, this, this, I thought this was, you know, it's it's your typical Kirkman story. It's very decompressed. It's very quick reading. It, it ends on, on you know, on a cliffhanger. Yeah, it's very reminiscent of Walking Dead. So somebody goes into a coma and wakes up, and bad stuff happens. <laughs> Yeah, overall, I did. You know, it, was, it was entertaining and it did make me curious to see more. I don't know if I ever will, but... Yeah, I did think, oh, Kirkman's trying to cash in again. That was my first thought. It was, okay, vampires worked, heroes worked. Oh, what's next? Wolfman. Oh, I mean, uh, you know, zombies worked, so here's uh, Wolfman and vampires. Great. Perfect. I sort of got over that, but that was my first, uh, here we go again, sort of in a negative sense. As opposed mm -hmm. to, all right, something you know, new from him. For some I reason, think, I took I took it negatively. I think maybe if uh, maybe if they got a different artist because the art is too. I don't know. I don't want to say simple because I don't. I mean, I don't know. Do you know what I'm saying? It it just looks. Yeah, no, it's it's it's, it's cartoony. Thank you, thank you. Very I, stylized and sort of to me, it looked like it looked like an indie book. Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess it is. Oh, or what? Yeah. What did you say, Em? Well, this was. I I have nothing against this particular style. I actually enjoy it a lot. But when I see this style, the number one absolute first word that comes into mind: webcomic. Ah, yeah. And so as soon as I saw this art, I was like, right, it's a free comic. And then when I saw the preview and I was like, oh, this same artist is on for the issues I have to pay for? Yeah, I don't think I'm going to. And there's nothing wrong with the art in and of itself, but 
you're it's like right. a lot of the backgrounds are just kind of really simple, very like 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 you're saying, like a webcomic. And there is a really big mismatch here between because I feel like Kirkman really really wants to tell a story like Walking Dead. Where he wants to tell something that's kind of like, let's look at the truth and the humanity of this situation and really get into the, not grim necessarily, but the gritty. And with this light, bright, cartoony art style, I just can't take anything seriously. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I'm supposed to. And it just kind of leaves me feeling meh. Because even like the most horrifying scene in the book where he rips out the guts of the rabbit... I mean, the rabbit's just kind of like sitting there, like, "Oh man, not again." <laughs> and it's, <laughs> I mean, that's, it's, it's like it's cute, and that makes it more horrifying. But it's, it's like Sweeney Todd. Like that's not real. It's bright, bright red blood. It looks like ketchup. So I'm not like grossed out. I'm just like, oh, yep. But you should be. <laughs> I mean, that rabbit should be screaming its head off. And, and it is it 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 is using I think of sort of as a modern on the, the webcom particular, but sort of a, an indie um, small press sort of coloring job. You know where every page sort of has has its own coloring scheme to it. Yeah, the backgrounds are all the same. Yeah, the color backgrounds and and somewhat. Yeah. Well, like yeah, but, especially in but, the mansion, everything's orange. Yeah. <laughs> In, in in including their skin tones. I mean, everything is reflecting orange in those pages, and then you go outside, and it's yellow, and then it's a brown, and then it's then it's red on the scary. You're in the security room, Wolfman it's green. Things. Yeah. And that's that. Just see that uh, that seems to me sort of small press. Like I said, web comic, digital, low end ish, inexpensive. Digital coloring, which of course I mm-hmm. could, which of course I could never do. I mean, we always have to say that, but it doesn't mean you can't critique it. Yeah, well, that's that's the thing, you know. When sometimes it comes up, oh, you know, you criticize this art, you couldn't do anything that good. Well, I'm not a professional comic artist. I'm not paying. <laughs> I'm paying for it. I'm, I'm, I'm allowed I'm, to yes, have an opinion. I, I'm not being paid for it. Right. Right. Exactly. I'm, I, and I think Emily, Emily has it right on the head. I'm, I'm allowed to have an opinion about what I buy, mm-hmm. and even if it is on free comic book day. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But I, you know, and I'm not. I, I try not to be overly critical. I try not to be overly effusive either. You know, I've tried to, to hit it with. You know, I try to hit legitimately what I think on these things. I thought this was an entertaining book, but there are weaknesses to it. I don't think the art style fits the uh, story. I agree with you guys on that. I, I think a more not not. I wouldn't want a real dark art style. On the other hand, <laughs> you know, I'm thinking aloud here. Maybe a more uh, realistic. If you, t- if you took this story and you let Mike Plug draw it. Mm. I think that would be, you know, it would be a much darker tale as far as how it's drawn, but I think it would be entertaining. And I think it would be more, I, I think it would pull me in more, I have to admit. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I agree that the, the story, I think, is the strength of the issue. I actually like the characters. I like the, I like the family relationship, the family dynamics. That seemed, that was, seemed sort of realistic. The parent-child and the spouse's. Uh, mm-hmm. Even the dealing with the business stuff. I mean, a lot of that, the the dialogue, the scenarios, the situations, 
those seemed you know, possible, realistic to me. Yes, I've had moments like that in my mansion. <laughs> well, yeah. You know, when the servant comes in and has to interrupt you because you have to play tennis with... Okay, well, you know what I mean, Paul. I know exactly what I mean. And yes, it did, it did have a, a sense of being realistic to me as well. Uh, but, you know, and, and the, the artwork being that less intense look might be intentional because I think as this went on, Kirkman tried to set it up less as a horror type book and more as a superhero title. Mm, okay. Well, so ju- if, judging from the fact that Wolfman does get a uh, a costume, quote unquote, which looks pretty nineties tastic, there on, on the, the cover, cover. Yeah. In that, approximately half of it is missing. <laughs> um, I could I could certainly see that direction. And with that direction, you know, the artwork may become more apt to it. Mm-hmm. Right. So, it, you know, we, we may be off base by criticizing the art based on one issue. Right. As far as being, you know, in the in the improper match. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just the same, you know, when, when I read a werewolf book, I expect it to be mm-hmm. a little bit more horror. So, all that said, anybody have anything more to add on this one? Okay, so I will do my review. Uh, the cover, I think, is entertaining. It, it, you know, it's it's pretty eye-catching. I think the proportions are way off, but I think it's kind of consistent with the art that we get inside mm-hmm. the book. Uh, I'm not usually one for the monotone look with the way this is with the red, but in this particular instance, I think it works. On the other hand, I think this cover does evoke an image that would be in line with a horror book. Mm. And if that's not what they, where they want to go with this, then that may have been a misstep. So I'm going to say a B- minus on the cover. The interior art is, I think, well done as far as the pacing, as far as the storytelling. Uh, it's got some dynamic shots, a couple of big splash-type images. But just the style isn't totally for me. So while it succeeds on some levels, it fails on others. I'm going to say a C-plus on the interior art. I think the story, as you mentioned, Alan, I think it, uh, you know, the, the dialogue works, which is one of Kirk, always one of Kirkman's strengths. I think the story is compelling. The characters are likable. And it does make you wonder, okay, where are they going with this in the next issue? So I'm going to give the story a B plus, and overall I'll give the book a B minus. Uh, I think I'll jump in. Um, the cover. So I'm a little confused. Does he later get a costume? Uh, that's the impression we have. Maybe, yeah. maybe an issue two. Uh, maybe. Or or three. But that'll cost you two ninety nine. Yeah, so, so I will never know. <laughs> Unless it's in a quarter bin. Oh. Can't pass up on that. Um, yeah, I mean, the cover's pretty exciting. It makes you, it's probably, you know, it would kind of draw you to want to pick it up, I guess, for free. <laughs> I can't knock it there. Um, the, the price is right. But 
if I was paying for the book, I I would still be interested in in the cover and and that it was Robert Kirkman. So uh, I I'd say the cover is a B. Um, I, I I think the interior art starts off good because some of the scenes do have a difference. No, I mean a little bit. There's a little bit of difference in color. We don't get the you know. But maybe that's because they're trying to make the blood stand out more in the first few scenes, and then it, then it all kind of washes together. I mean, but it's it's not bad. It's not good for me, um, and for some of the reasons we've already mentioned. So I, I think I'm I'm gonna give it a C plus B minus, and I am interested in the story as well. Um, I'm wondering if we're gonna have a were rabbit later. Did he actually kill that rabbit? Is that the rabbit that will be in Monty Python, the Holy Grail, perhaps? Um, so, as I said, look at the bones, man. That would be a crossover. Yeah. So, uh, I'm going to give the story a B as well. So that's putting it right at a B. Well, I think I, I'm going to be the wet blanket on this one. Um, my my reviews on this are pretty simple, just straight C's across the board. The cover is 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 fine. It's it's good. It is well drawn, but I don't find it particularly interesting. You know, on a free comic book day, certainly I it would catch my eye and I would pick it up and I would leaf through it. But as soon as I leaf through it, I would be hit in the face with this really really jarring mismatch which I just can't get over um, the art again is technically good like the proportions are consistent and the the lines are clear and the coloring is good the, the, the gradient color choices for each page is interesting there's nothing bad with it but when combined with the writing and the story, like my brain just can't hold these three things in its mm. in its <laughs> space at once. And I think it, you know, it, that cover really is just such a horror cover. And I'm like, okay, even this what appears the building appears to be a, a big, big gothic cathedral. Steeple. So I'm like, and again, that has that you're it has lightning in the background. You're you're definitely hinting strongly at horror. And I, so I see that, and I'm like, okay, okay, so is this going to be like a, like a really strong horror book, but with this slightly cartoonish style in order to, in order to like sort of, you know, deal, like mess with that juxtaposition, like, a, like an afterlife with Archie kind of thing. Except no, when you open it, it's this kind of quiet, decompressed Kirkman family story where there's a lot of dialogue of people just talking to each other which is fine, except that there's this bright superhero coloring on everything, which makes me expect that there's going to be fights or action or comedy or something, and none of that is reflected in the, in, the, in the dialogue, and it makes the dialogue feel boring. But when I read the dialogue, the dialogue is great, but the colors are so distracting. I just can't focus on it. This is, I think, just a really an interesting experiment but just doesn't quite come together right i think one more one or two more meetings in the artistic room <laughs> would have like really improved this book 
Yeah, for me, uh, you know, I'm tempted to give the cover an A or an A plus because it has the word free on it actually twice. <laughs> so that's pretty hard to beat. But if you take the totality of the cover, not just the word uh, free, uh, it is attention getting. It's but it's that overly stylized style that we've talked about, and that's not necessarily for me. I actually do kind of like the color scheme here on the cover. Uh, and that brings it up to me above average to like a C plus. And then when we get inside, again, it's a style that I see in modern books or, or uh, web comics or smaller press books uh, than this. So it's not original and it's not really in my style. And just flipping through it sort of again and again, just going page by page here those colors can be a little assaultive. Uh, so that's just not, not, not for me. I, I can't, I, I can't go very high. So I, I'm, I'm at a C uh, on the art, uh, but the story, we said again, that's the strength. There's a mystery about what's going on with the, with the guy, the family relationships that are portrayed seemed all very strong to me. And so that sort of makes the tragedy of the situation maybe even more tragic. And I like the mysterious ending of Mr. Vampire Man showing up. So I'd give the story a B plus. And since I do weigh story more heavily in my grading scheme, although those colors, the more I think about them, uh, to me, it, it actually overall ends up a B, though I'm, I'm leaning now towards B minus. So just, just the longer you look at an individual page, at the more you go, that's a very unpleasant shade of orange and human skin healthy human skin is not supposed to be that color and even when you're on like the green tinted pages they'll tint some of the characters skin that green as well or on the orange tinted pages you'll have orange skin among the characters and i think that's a that's a place you didn't need to go uh that that far with your uh, 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 with your digital coloring, so B B minus. Yeah, I, th I think you hit you hit it on the head with the coloring being overly digital. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that they and it was ten years ago. Little... I think you know probably now you're probably a little more skilled and you could a few more iterations of the program and the mm -hmm. computing power. You can get more granular, more detailed um, than than you could have uh, ten years ago. But I appreciate you. I don't. I don't know if they wanted to, though. I yeah, think they yeah. I mean, that may have been a choice. Look. Yeah. And 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 that's and and it's why I almost I I do feel bad giving this thing C's because I was like, if any one of those things was different, the other two things I think could shine. Mm. That this cover and coloring could work, but with a different story. This story and cover could work, but with a different artist. That just there's just something about these three things that are just so at odds with each other. Um, unfortunately for, really unfortunately for this book, I was barely interested in all, literally until I got to the last page of the PDF, which is an advertisement for something called the Mice Templar, which I am <laughs> I very that, intrigued yeah. by. Um, but that's, I, if you, if it took a, an advertisement. <laughs> a, a house ad on the last page of the book aid, to be the... 
the highlight. Yeah, mm. a house a house ad on the last page about anthropomorphic mice in night armor. That's what it. Uh, yeah, I, I will tell you, I have not read the Mice Templar, but it is a very highly regarded series. There you go. Okay, so uh, eyes open, eyes open. But Paul, I appreciate you thinking of me in bringing this book to the table. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Very on brand. Well, I, I appreciate both of you coming on the show with us today. Absolutely. This yes, was a blast. thank you for the invitation. Uh, I seem to remember you just kind of saying we're coming. Well, <laughs> you know, invitation. I, I, I just remember hearing uh, we're coming, should we bring cake? That's all I remember. <laughs> cake? There was cake? What? Well, and then when I said yes, you said, well... Where's the money for the cake? <laughs> cake, cake is for people who brought comics, Bill. Oh, oh, it's not fair. <laughs> I had to clean up cat puke, <laughs> and that's your cake. You horrifying. You know, if, if if your intern was better, you wouldn't have had to do that. Yeah. <laughs> I bet. Don't be Kurt saying bad things about our interns. Would clean up cat puke. Russell Bragg would have been willing to do that, but no. no they are no. they are welcome to it. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they are. All right, well, thanks again. Why don't you guys, uh, I can't imagine anybody listening doesn't know where you're from, but tell them anyway. Well, sure. Most of our stuff is found on Relatively Geeky Podcast Network. So that's where you can find the uh, the show we do together. This whole thing is written out of order. Uh, the Short Box Showcase. <laughs> Uh, my dad does the Quarter Bin Podcast, which has just uh, celebrated its 100th episode six times. With, uh, with awesome special guests like M and, and, and me. And, and, and Bill and Paul. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah and Bill and Paul. <laughs> it's, it's good despite that. Uh, he also does the comics reading journal over there the occasional relatively geeky presents that's where most of our comic centric material can be found and the two of us have been doing a side project since the middle of 2015 called dorkness to light which has its own separate feed and over there we talk about the specifically religious or spiritual content that appears in various items of pop culture and thank you for having us on absolutely our pleasure and thank you for everybody who listened and we'll see you next week say goodbye Bill goodbye Bill goodbye Goodbye, Bill. Bill thank you so much for listening to our show and we hope you'll continue to join us each and every week for more good old fashioned comic book back issue awesomeness you can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback comments, questions, suggestions and criticisms via email at backtothebins at gmail.com or by joining the Back to the Bins group on Facebook. Back to the Bins is a proud affiliate of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network, which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is a registered trademark of Demanzo Corps of Milan, Italy, all rights reserved. Each and every month, the Two True Freaks Network produces dozens of new and exciting episodes which regularly reach tens of thousands of loyal listeners worldwide. Sponsorship and or advertising opportunities are available. Inquiries may be made via email to twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Please take a moment to stop by the twotruefreaks.com site and check out their many other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks, and we'll see you next week. 
Uh, you guys haven't offended you? Yep, let's yeah. do it. Let's roll. Oh, sorry, not me. Right. <laughs> Don't yawn into the Skype call. Sorry. Bye, Bill. Sorry. Yeah, no, I, bye, I have an early day tomorrow. Bye, Bill. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Excuse me. I know what I'm not wanting. <laughs>